Hey there, on this 7-20-2022, it's EDB, that's Eric Deshaun Barrett, and I believe we connected to this because you're ready for our Wednesday meditation, which will begin in just a few moments. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yes, yeah, today must be Women's Day. I hear all these beautiful women in here. We're going to get started this morning. Like you heard, Mama Bell is ready. She said, don't hold me up. I got other things to do with my life. Yeah, so we're. Right. So we're going to begin. Grandmother's going to pray for us, and then Mama Bell is going to play. And then, like I said, we got a lot to talk about, so we're going to get to it. So, in that order, if you will. Lead me, O oh Lord, lead me. Help me tread in the path of righteousness. Be my aid when Satan and sin oppress. I am putting all my trust in thee. Lead me, guide me along the way. For if you lead me, I cannot stray. Lord, let me walk each day with thee. Lead me, O Lord, lead me. Most holy and all wise fathers, we come this morning, God, we ask for your leadings and your guidance, asking for your protection and your provision. God, we come into you because we know that you are able, that you love us, and we know that you care. So in the midst of God, we thank you. We're going to thank you in advance for all your goodness and all your mercy. And, oh, God, as we come, we just say thank you. We thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you, oh, God, we had strength to climb the steps and climb down the steps. And, God, we know you're going to be with us all day. And we just thank you for strength and health, smiles and joy. We just thank you this morning, God, because you love us so much. And you said you would give us the desires of our hearts and that you will meet every need that we need. And we just said thank you. Bless us this morning, God. And we thank you for Mother Belle, God, because she's able to climb them steps and she's able to play that beautiful music for you and to bring out, oh, God, joy in the midst of service. And we just thank you. We thank you for every listening ear, God, for everyone that sent up a prayer, everyone that come faithful to hear your word. We just thank you this morning for them. And bless us and keep us. Make your face to shine upon us. And we say thank you. Bless our pastor, God. Bless him, encourage him, and keep him ever looking to you. Keep him ever trusting you. Keep him ever believing in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.
he leaves me. Um, Beautiful. Beautiful. I tell you, it's a wonder what you can do when you ain't got no sense. <laughs> you led me to, you started out with he leading me, and I said God would leave my fingers, and that's where he led me. Uh-huh. 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 You play beautiful when you ain't got no sense. <laughs> that's, that's true. I'm telling you, a lot of times. Okay. Let us head on back to Jose. Chapter number four. I want to focus my attention on clause B and verse two. That's all I got time to deal with today. I might have to hang out here a little bit more on Sunday, but we'll see where that leads us. Clause B says, there is no truth, no faithful love, and no knowledge of God in the land. Cursing, lying, murder, stealing and adultery are rampant. One act of bloodshed follows another. I want to talk this morning very briefly. I don't know why I told you that lie, but we're going to work on it. We're going to try it. Lord, forgive, say, Lord, forgive him for lying. He know he ain't never been short a day in his life. You did it too. You ain't had to agree with me. <laughs> I want to talk this morning very, for my time, try to go lie again, from the subject, the truth about our nation. The truth about our nation. And all those in agreement with the word respond with a howdy, Amen. Seventy percent. Seventy percent of this nation still believes. Now, two years in, that Joe Biden is not president of these states united. Seventy percent still believe that voting machines were rigged and ballots were dumped into the Hudson River. Seventy percent still believe that tractor trailers carried illegal ballots into the voting precincts or into the central precincts, should I say. Seventy percent still believe that Bigfoot exists and that the world is flat. And 70% still believe that ugly people don't exist. That's another conversation for another day. No truth. 
Our political system has found a way to derive on what sounds good. They found a way to feed your emotions and feed your feelings. They placate to what sounds good in your ear. They took the opposite of the sound or the song that Jesus was portrayed about Jesus where they would sing. You remember some of you back in the church when they would say, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in our ear. And our politicians have utilized that as a method to sweet talk you into your votes, into your loyalty, into your support. I got a call this morning right after my grandmother was talking to me, and after I'm at the phone, I opened an email, and somebody was out there in the Poplar Halls area. And I asked, or they asked me, they said, Eric, did you know such and such such was happening in Poplar Halls? I said, yes, I knew that was happening out there. And they said, well, we went to our officials, and they told me they didn't know. And it didn't hit me until Mama Bell was playing. Now, Mama Bell, if you live where you live and I live where I live and you see a, a tree fall right around your corner, you're going to know that that tree fell. So how does a particular official live in Poplar Halls and not know what's happening in the neighborhood by which he lives? He's lying to you. Now, I didn't tell you that to... Uh, launch an attack against that particular individual. I didn't tell you who the individual was. And before you start to thinking who I'm talking about, there's about three officials that live in Poplar Halls. So you have fun trying to figure out which one I'm talking about. <laughs> the moral of this story is that when we settle for what sounds good instead of what makes sense, we find ourselves entrapped in the crazinesses of our society. I'm going to tell you something that might not sound good to you this morning. You have communities in this city that need to come down. And I know that is very unpopular. But I need to explain to you the effects of it because, see, people won't tell you the truth. When you got a community like this one, Norfolk, that is, uh, if we can divide in half or in fourths, let's do that. That makes more sense. You got a fourth of our city that is uh, occupied by military and government operations. That is everything connected to the federal level. Then you have another half of your community that is occupied by our schools, our rec centers, our churches, our local facilities. Then you have a third that is the project. Now, what the average person does not know is that your city gets its revenue from 
land assessment, your property tax, that little piece of bill that come in the mail every uh, other month or every season, should I say. That is what the federal or this local government depends on apart from the dollars that they get from the federal government and grants and the state, you can add them in as well. Now, when you take that and analyze it, you only have a fourth of your city that's taxable, and the rest is draining it. Now, I'm not trying to come and uh, speak against the reality of put out all the poor. I'm just coming to speak against the reality of you got in the carton of milk, and you got everybody drinking out the carton of milk, and ain't nobody putting the milk back. Eventually, we're going to run out of milk. And the problem that they're not willing to tell the truth about is because it's not politically correct to do so is that the city is running out of milk. And so what is their result to that? What is their argument to that? Why is Poplar Halls being knocked down? Why are all of these apartments going up? Because what they're trying to do is secretively move the people somewhere else. The reason why they can't tell you where they're moving them is because they know that anywhere they put low-income people, it is going to be a financial hurt on the economy in that area. So they're trying to do it secretively. What do you mean by a financial hurt? If you take and move, they got some apartments they're going to put over there in the backside of Easton, over there behind Newtown Road, Mama Bell, over there with them quarter-of-a-billion-dollar homes, and they're going to smack some sections of the projects over there. Mm. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen once they find out that's happening. U-Haul's going to make a lot of money because the people are going to move out. They're going to take their resources, and they're going to move to a better community, i.k.a. Virginia Beach, a.k.a. Chesapeake. So Norfolk finds itself in a very particular or or very compromising situation because on one side they have to be the city that just throws four to 5,000 poor people out on the streets, but on the other side they're washing their economic prosperity down the drain. That's what you call a sticky wicket. And because they won't tell the truth about it, everybody walks around in frustration and everybody walks around in anger. And let me tell you what you can do that they don't want to do because it's going to cost some money. The way that you solve that problem is, A, that you go into those communities and you put those people on a five-year plan, and you tell those people you got five years. You got five years to go get you a degree. You ain't got to go to ODU. You ain't got to go to NSU. You ain't got to go to CNU. You ain't got to go to, what's the college, Wesleyan. You can go down there to T-E-C-P-I. That's not here anymore. Tidewater Tech, Century, 
whatever those other institutions are that is down there, those technical schools, and give them five years to get an education. Once they get that education, give them another year to maintain or to create some stability and then cut the lights out on them. Nobody wants to do that because, A, that means I have to admit to you that you're the problem. And nobody wants to be considered the problem. Nobody wants to be known as the one that's bringing down the ship. But at the same time, when you keep harboring and holding and saying you're not going to say anything and lying to the people, it creates this environment of anger and frustration, and then you wonder why from that direction you see bullets fly. Because the people are tired of being lied to. They're tired of being mistreated. They're tired of being treated as if they're petulant children. They're not petulant children. They're just 50 cents short and five minutes late. And part of that is because the system don't pay good. Another thing why they lied to you, I'm still dealing with the effects of that. Some folks wanted a casino. And I know that the church folks here, some of them, not all of them, at least not in public at least. You know, in public, a whole lot of people are against that casino, but in private, God bless your heart. They come and they said that we're going to put a casino in the city. And if it wasn't for some whistleblowers, we would have never known that casino was going to be there. And then they came in, and to counteract that, they decided, well, we're going to take some of the money and we're going to put it towards education. All right. Let's talk about that. you got two facilities in this city that are benchmark of this city, one on one side, another on another. On this side of town is Booker T. Washington High School. That is the centerpiece, the bedrock of the African-American community. That is the school that all, all of this generation, from sea to shining sea, from sharecropper to Obama, has been a part of. On the other side, Maury High School. And both of those institutions, as we sit, all it needs is a good hurricane, and they'll fall right flat. Now, the problem with that is when they came in with the casino business and they decided that, well, we have to do something to pacify the people because they're going crazy. We're going to go just like they did with the tobacco industry, just like they did with the lottery. Oh, it's going to be for the schools. I ain't never understand you got a $4.7 trillion lottery and schools are still falling down. Something ain't right with that picture, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. So they came in and they decided that we're going to take $100,000, these wonderful individuals who are trying to fund this casino. 
We're going to take $100,000 and we're going to split it between Maury and Booker T. If you can't smell a waste boy there, you ain't sleep. And if y'all sleep, then we still got a problem. Because you're going to take $50,000 and you're going to give the one $50,000 to another. But $50,000 does not equal. They look at it in dollar mass as equal. But in equity mass, that is not equal. For example, Booker T. Washington has its own athletic department, its own athletic field. Maury High School does not have those facilities. So in the athletic field alone, there is more to offer at Booker T than it is to offer at Maury. But then on the other end, what Maury lacks on the outside, Booker T lacks on the inside because Maury has an Olympic-style pool in the back of their facility, which may cost a little bit more to repair than the football field. So all we're going to see is $50,000, and it's going to look like Maury got more than Booker T, when the reality of it is, from an economic perspective, from a construction perspective, the quality of need might cost more. It might cost more, and I reiterate this, to dig a pool than it does to put a baseball field on the gridiron. But they're not going to tell you that. And they'll let us sit here and kill each other. When if they just explained it, it'll make sense. Then the second piece of business they wanted to talk about when they came to the casino that most folks agree with without thinking about it, they came in and they said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that everybody got jobs. It's going to bring jobs. That's everything they want to talk about. Anytime they bring something to the city, go bring jobs, 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 jobs. Well, let's talk about those jobs. Go and read the gambling casino book of ethics, a code of saying. It's two pieces of business in there. There's a lot in that book, but I only want to focus on two if you don't mind. The first piece of business I want to focus on is that in order to work in a casino, you must not have any interaction whatsoever, a parking ticket, a speed ticket. You probably should not even have a donut with the police. You find too many of our young black people in that community by which they are trying to appeal to that can fit that description. I can guarantee you the number is pretty low. And then, Mama Bell, if they don't get you on that, they're going to definitely get you on this. Second piece of business is that you cannot have any outstanding debt. Your credit has to be extremely high. How many poor folks you know got good credit? You can't afford to have good credit, especially when you are renting, when you have no equity. Buying a home is what builds your credit. Having various amounts of opportunities and financial stability builds your credit. If you do not have any of those things, which is what those institutions look for, then your credit is low. So now you're going to create a job that I can't even get. So who gets those positions? 
I'll leave you to your wandering mind to consider. Lying to you. Not telling the truth. Placating. And then you focus on our community. As I said earlier, there's a whole lot of folks that got up on Sunday morning and preached against the casino. And they preached against all of the struggles of the same. And then behind closed doors, they went into that ballot box around about November, and they pushed the level in the opposite direction. I know that personally. I ain't going to call the preachers out because I don't want to hurt your heart here on Wednesday morning. But when we sit and we operate from a spirit of hypocrisy, from a spirit of two-facedness, once the people find out, that's where you get all the cursing. That's where you get all the frustration, all the anger, the bitterness. That's why you walk into the supermarket and you look at somebody funny and they go ready to fight. Because we live in a society of people who are tired. And then on that same piece of business, as since I'm rounding in the church, let's go ahead and park here for a second. Because on last evening, last evening you had an abortions right rally in Washington, D.C. Abortion rights rally in Washington, D.C. No guns, no knives, no any type of violent activity whatsoever. Fifteen or so leaders from congressional, state, and local operations were present. And within 25 minutes, Mama Bear, they were all put in jail. But some two years ago, we still can't get folks to come to the courthouse for a deposition on what they did when they tried to burn the state down. Hypocrisy. Two-facedness. The system used towards advantages whether it fits my cause. I look at a person who, uh, as they passed the bill last evening to protect same-sex and interracial marriages, and I know that's a problem for some. I'm not talking about the act. I'm talking about the response to same you don't have to agree with same-sex marriage. You don't have to even agree that black folks and white folks should get together. But I'm going to tell you like I told the lady last night. If you let them get away with this, eventually they'll find something you agree with and they'll get you on that. The gentleman got up and he said, it's a shame how you attack the Supreme Court. It's a shame how you people can get up and say that it's, 
it's wrong for what the Supreme Court did. You people are just trying to undermine the third branch of government. But this same individual, when the same court, not 17 months ago, the same court with the same people, when they said that the election was not stolen, when they said that the ballots were not illegal, that same individual got up and cussed the same court out. <laughs> Lawlessness because of frustration, because the system is being used. Y'all old folks used to say, I'm going to say that just like that. Y'all, y'all senior citizens, how about that? Y'all statesmen, that's what I want to say. Yeah, y'all, y'all senior statesmen, that sounds good. That's, I like that. Y'all senior statesmen, I'm going to get ready to get out your hair. Y'all senior statesmen used to say a long time ago, I used to hear, they say, you know, the law is for lawbreakers. The law is for crooks. They make the law, and then they write the law to make sure that they can get out of the law anytime they want it. That's why it takes nine years to make a bill, because they got to make sure that that language is designed in such a way that if they ever want to get out of it, most folks despise President Obama. Because when President Obama was working on the Affordable Care Act, he took his time with the Affordable Care Act. He went to the Republicans, and he, he sat down, and he, he hammered out line for line, detail for detail. He put things in there that they wanted. He gave them everything they wanted. And the people said, I don't understand why he went out there and dealt with them white folks. He gave them white folks everything they wanted. Don't make no sense. He knew the white folks weren't going to do nothing for him anyway. What he going to do that for? You know why he did it? Because now they can't undo it because they realize that if they undo it, they're going to hurt themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the smart thing to do was to go in and give the people what they wanted and then leave them to have to squirm with why they can't agree with it. I listened to you. I heard you. I answered to your beck and call, and you still don't want to agree with me. Now what's the problem? Why did I tell you all this as I hasten to my close? Because the reality of it is is that we live in a society that if we don't pay much attention to it, As Joe Biden said some time ago when they made him apologize for it, I still can't forgive the people who did it. Joe Biden got up at a rally one day, and he said, if y'all don't watch out, they're going to mess around and put y'all back in chains. And the reason why they can do that is not because they can go and reverse and make folks go back into the slave trade and picking cotton and so forth and so on, but it can happen by voluntary status. I tell folks all the time, especially my Pentecostal brothers and sisters, while y'all shouting and hollering and bucking and believing God, they're changing laws. 
And I'm not telling you not to believe God. I'm not telling you not to buck and shout. But I'm telling you, they get out 1230, y'all and get out till 5. And the whole system didn't change between 1230 and 5. And if you think they don't know that y'all bucking and shouting and foaming at the mouth and how much time they got to change the law before y'all stop bucking, I'm going to need for you to get another cup of coffee. We have come to the point in our time, and I say this until they kill me, either the people of God, I don't know which one it will be, but I say this until my last breath. It's about time for us to come out these churches and go down to civic meetings. Tell me about it. It's about time to start bucket, stop bucking and shouting and start watching and praying. And the only way that you can watch and pray is if you understand what's going on. And so I implore to you today, I took too much of your time. Brother Didico, come pray for us in a minute. I ask you to consider any time they ask you what we're going to do about gun violence. I just told you here, 28 minutes. What we're going to do about lawlessness. I just told you in 28 minutes. What we're going to do about the anger in our society. I just told you in 28 minutes. What are we going to do about people turning away from God? I just told you in 28 minutes. If you want to talk about the problem with this nation right now, we just discussed it in the past 28 minutes. But there is a way to fix it. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my face turned from their wicked ways. The days of being Baptist is done. The days of being Pentecostals is done. The days of being Episcopals and Presbyterians and Methodists and Catholics is done. I don't care where you come from. I need to focus on where we're going to. And if we're going to win in this war, then there's only one answer to it. When everybody can realize that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand all of the ground. It's sinking sand. All of the ground. Brother Dinner. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning. Let's pray. Father God, we know that you're the one that's in charge. You're the one that provides for us and guides us. We just ask that we remember that and we always seek your face and we always hold ourselves before you. So your leadership is always there for us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come to you. We thank you that you listen to us. We ask you to continue to watch over us, protect us, keep us healthy, keep us safe. 
Lord, we just want to give you all the glory, all the glory. No matter what we do, we should do it in your name, in your, for you, and for your glory. Amen and amen. God bless. Have a great week. Amen. Amen.